Welcome, citizens of the globe, to the Front End Heroes podcast, where we discuss all things villainous and heroic about the front end of software development. My name is Evan Payne. I'm a senior front end developer at Actimo, and with me, as always, is my co host, Scott Francis, a senior front end software engineer at NetCentric. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, really good. Uh, made it through another week, um, which is very nice. Um, yeah, and super, super excited for our guest today. Nice. Today's episode is sponsored by NetCentric, an award-winning Adobe Global Alliance partner. They're currently hiring for a number of roles, uh, so if you're over in Europe, check them out. We are, as ever, so glad to have their support with this show. Uh, today, we have a guest for Season 2, Episode 2 of our show. Um, he is the founder of Scotch.io, a website which you might be familiar with, and he's an all-around knowledge-sharing mastermind. Uh, Chris Sevilleja. Uh, give yourself an introduction, show us how to pronounce your name properly. I'm so sorry. And um, yeah, who are you and where do you, where do you, what do you do? I, yeah, I think you did a great job. It's uh, Chris Sevaleja. And uh, lately I've been going by Chris Sev. It's just easier all around for everybody. I uh, founded a website called scotch.io. We do uh, web developer tutorials, uh, primarily focused on the front end, a lot of JavaScript and uh, about a year and a half ago, we joined uh, DigitalOcean, got acquired by DigitalOcean. So now I'm on the developer relations team as a developer advocate. And it's been a lot of fun. Lately, my my role has been to build cool things and talk about building cool things. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, so this week's uh, episode title is uh, The Daily Planet you know, from comic books and stuff. There's usually a sort of large news organization. And the reason I bring that up or title it there is like there is a currently global information game that's going on. And in some ways, being a developer advocate, being sort of, you know, someone that cares about educating the community is similar to those sort of idealistic news organizations of old. You're you're helping others, you're being genuine, you're sharing content. Um so I want us to talk a bit about sort of how you've been approaching that across the years. And maybe you can give us sort of an intro to that of how you even got started with Scotch.io or even before then with things of this nature. Sure. Um, so the start of Scotch.io is it was a coding journal. I was freelancing at the time, learning how to code and you search for something, you don't find it and even Stack Overflow can't help. And if Stack Overflow can't help, I don't know. It's going to have a tough time, huh? <laughs> so I would try to figure stuff out, and I figured if you figure it out, put it down on paper or a blog, and if nobody comes to read it, it's fine, but it kind of helps solidify my knowledge because if you write it down, just that repetition uh, is good. So after a minute, Eight months, we got traffic. So for eight months, we were writing articles on stuff we were personally learning, a lot of Angular at the time, and finally got some traffic. And then from there, it kind of just snowballed. Yeah, um, I, I remember. Uh, uh, what what made you <clears throat> bring in other people as well? So you see even like David Walsh's uh, blog. He's, uh, eventually, if a blog gets enough traction, yeah, you can't keep the traffic flowing, I guess. Uh, it's not enough for just one or two people. You start to open it up to other writers. And and you guys actually gave me my first sort of paid writing gig. Um, I wrote for you guys on the site once, um, right around when I started uh, at the at NetCentric before as well. Um, but what made you 
go in that direction to open it up and bring other writers in. Yeah. Uh, the, the progression of a blog is usually, you know, you write, you get enough traffic, you unfortunately put ads on it. And I, I always joke like you, a blog lives long enough, uh, or like dies a hero. What's that Batman quote? Dies a hero or lives long enough to put a billion ads on it. And that's kind of the sad truth about blogging these days. And we can talk about that later. But uh, what ended up happening is we got enough traffic. We had enough ad money that we had the ability to pay people. And we didn't even go searching. And we've never really done outreach for new authors. Uh, People were just attracted to us by the content. And I guess our mission kind of resonated with you and a lot of other great authors. So it's been fun. It was a great way to like meet amazing, amazing writers. But uh, it was all organic, and I don't really have a, a game plan for what we did. Did you? Did you? Um, like, it sounds amazing that it was like this organic. But did you kind of have? Um, did you have like editorial control over any of this? Like, um, were you were you taking the time to to look into what was actually being uh, was actually uh, being written for you. I mean, he, like Evan mentions, it was a paid, it was a paid thing. So I presume that that was the case. Yeah, I for a very long time edited everything, and so there's a lot of guest author programs. Uh, and the way I like doing it is, I like putting a lot of the work uh, front heavy. Uh, I like to front load the work. So basically, I, was, I mean, I have a list of titles that I like. Um, if people have a, their own title, I give them an outline. So you try to you try to avoid the situation where they just come to you with a big article and you're like, oh, I got to edit this giant thing that I had never seen before. So by giving an outline, giving title, giving feedback early in the process, by the time they get to the rough draft stage, it should be like 80%, 90% of the way there. So uh, eventually we did hire some people, some of the guest authors were happy to help edit the other guest authors. Um, so yeah, that was the process. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this, this overlap that we've, I think we've all encountered anyway of, okay. Yeah. You're the thing. Maybe you're more passionate about <clears throat> is, um, you know, the development side, but there is this impulse then to share and to do other stuff with it. But then again, some people, that's not necessarily their skill set. Um, I don't know. It, it's For me, it was okay. Like I, I did a lot of writing in, in high school and stuff, and it made sense. But like, Scott, what about from your side? Do you find the approach, like when you go to write an article uh, on something, is it straightforward? Is it like a challenge? Honestly, for me, um, I've never actually written like um, a technical article. Like to to publish like about our industry about anything that I'm doing with that, um, I do have kind of experience with it. Um, I used to write for um, a football blog, a soccer, uh, a soccer blog, but that was about like that was basically about my team, and it was something that I was like so close to, um, and it was a kind of it was a way of like just uh, engaging with other people about the about the team and seeing if my opinions were um, were valid. I mean. To me, that was really it was a really simple thing because I've always enjoyed writing. I've always I've always found that to be like a skill set. So, um, but even though I've never put anything out like uh, as a technical article, I think 
all of us at some point write documentation, or at least we should write documentation. Um, so we're all practiced in that. Um, I think that, you know, a- anybody who uh, who joins a new project or has people who join in a new project wants to be able to give them information um, pretty quickly. So um, they're the kind of things that I've actually written. And yeah, like the more, the more I've found that I do it, like the better it comes, it, it becomes. And I think it's really... It goes back to the point that I was really making about the editorial control. Um, my main thing is with anything like this is the quality of it. I mean, you know, you could perhaps get talks, you could get articles, you could get them in abundance, but really, is it delivering the quality that you need? Um, that's maybe it's maybe this is a different point, but I mean, like, and I could be jumping here, but um, part of the problem that I have with with seeing so many articles on on sites like Medium uh, and uh, and others, is that especially with Medium subscription like package, it kind of feels to me like well, but they're not. This isn't professional writing, and I could go to an article on Medium and be completely dissatisfied, but I've had to pay for this. So like, it really that, that's the downfall for me. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that. I don't I don't want to run Medium down or anything like saying that the, you know this is a terrible idea. But, for me, that's how I see it. Yeah, that that gets into a little bit of the topic earlier, right? Is how does a blog become financially successful? Uh, and do they have to give up some of their identity to do so? Which, to me, I feel like Medium did um, doing that, especially you know getting everybody in the door and saying like we're an open writing platform. Um, but yeah, I guess there's two things to tackle there, right? Like the 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 writing process and how you feel about your writing. I think it, it goes back to lowering the barrier to entry. Like you said, you you felt comfortable kind of writing about uh, football and just putting your thoughts out there. I think a lot of people for technical articles have this high bar that they set in their minds and say, like, it's technical. It has to be the most amazing thing ever. When uh, Google is a very good indicator of what good articles are, like they do a great job at finding out what's the best, like rank number one for a certain topic. And I think a lot of those are, you know, Stack Overflow questions that are five sentences long and Dev2 articles that are like three paragraphs long. Uh, I think we, a lot of the times when I edited, I use a, a thing. I don't know if I, I made it, but uh, we call it skimmability factor. And I don't think anybody reads technical articles like word for word. I think they just scroll until they see a code block, and then they scroll up, and they're like, what's that code block? And then they scroll down until they see an image. So with that <laughs> you're, in mind, exa- you're exactly right. <laughs> with that in mind, cut all the words out, right? <laughs> no, but I, I, I like what you were mentioning about editing as well because that that's where for me it starts to feel like a familiar skill so the blank page even when you're coding the blank page is hard it's hard to get into it um we've we've set up all these things frameworks and and builds processes to help us get a little further along than just a blank page um but editing for me like again just as we've been talking now i've been thinking like yeah that feeling when i'm i'm editing an article and i know 
good language and I know how to take what's already there and just make sure that it's communicating clearly. Super similar to like doing a code refactoring, going through the files and checking things and be like, eh, this is a better syntax here. It's it's the the gut check part of it. Um, I, I, I find that fascinating. And, and it's nice to know that there is a similar skill set in both development and the writing side of it as well. Yeah, I having readable code is very that's halfway to a readable article. Like if your code is so well documented and well, like your variable names are, I have been getting into a habit lately where my variable names are like so sentences, yeah. which who knows if that's good or not, but at least I don't have to write the comment for it above the line. So, um, but if, if you can write like that with your code, where anybody can come in or even you can come in six months down the road and know what's happening, y- you can write a good article. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing that I think is missing. So TypeScript helps with that of you don't have to document everything because you can hover over it while you're in your IDE and see like what's being passed through. Destructuring is, a, is co- potentially quite confusing when you just read it in an article but in the editor, it's no problem. And the articles are sort of missing that context. So you really have to add the comments or spell it out more frequently, I guess. That's an interesting thought. TypeScript yeah. for articles? Yeah. Where sure. it could Intellis- reference like... IntelliSense for <laughs> scotch.io. <laughs> Where you could reference all of the code blocks from other code blocks. Uh, all right, let me go find a domain name. there you go that's how it works yes um okay well but okay there's that entrepreneurial spirit so i one of the reasons i invited you on the show is i've seen you do that so you got scotch up to a good place you kind of you know sold it on that's great um you're working for DigitalOcean, who sort of bought it from you i i want to hear about that too but i also want to hear about the impulse that you have to sort of do that and start up this new thing you're working on as well and the videos and such. So we'll get into what that is later, but for now, like what drives you to, well, how have you found yourself doing these sorts of things over time? Right. Um, I, I think my through line has always been try to provide for every coder, there's like a hundred non coders, right. And for every uh, coder, every one of us can get better at what we do. So my through line has always been education and just saying, uh, if we can learn to code better or teach more people to code, world is a better place. And lately that has transformed into how do we take code and turn it into uh, businesses, right? Like there's there's a really fun push that I've seen for for saying, hey, go online and make $1 from any product that you make online and your world will be changed. And I think that's a great mission statement to have for a lot of people. So there's a lot there. I'm not sure which way to go. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I I absolutely agree with that sentiment um, because it comes to the idea of what, what are you actually trying to solve with the thing that you're building? And if there is a money-making aspect, get that out of the way first. Figure out how Stripe works so you can get your payments in. Because having that solved, at least knowing how to get that going, the tooling will improve in six months' time when you're going into another project. You'll remember enough to sort of do it again. And then it's 
twice as fast as it was the first time. And then that thing can start making a little money. And you read books like the um, four hour work week and all that. And they tell you, Hey, passive income, passive income, set up these little things that make a little bit of trickle of income and let them run. Um, and as you build up more, um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I've done that. What about you, Scott? <laughs> no, 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 I haven't. I've never, I've never had it in me to like, to have like a proper um, side project. Um, but you have young kids now. Mainly that's so that makes it harder. Mainly that's the reason now because um, before, <laughs> like before I came to Barcelona, I've been in Barcelona um, like six six years now. Like this week was our anniversary of being yes. of being in of just doing something really ridiculous and deciding, do you know what? Let's move to a city where we've got nowhere to live and we don't know anybody. Um, but you know, it worked out. Um, <laughs> but since I, um, the, me being here was when I became. Uh, an engineer when I became a software engineer I'd always done websites and um, like things like that but this was the start of it but since then and I actually got what I would consider to be good um, I've now got two small boys <laughs> which really like limits the, which really limits the time for that I've actually I have tried a few times like to I even the, my big idea one uh, from for the last project that I thought oh this would this would be good um, was I was playing. Uh, I was playing fantasy football, but with people back home, and and I realised I used to be good at this, but now I'm not. Like now, I'm really don't have the time to dedicate to this. So my idea was, I'm going to make something that's going to predict. Like I'm going to I'm going to make something that's going to tell me when I should make moves in fantasy football, and this is all going to stitch together. And I'm basically not going to have to do anything. The program's going to tell me like, oh, we need to we need to make this transfer. <laughs> You're going to win this. I even started trying to make this and I thought, I thought this is going to be so cool. This is going to be amazing. After a few years, I'll be able to get some money from this. And then I realized the enormity of it. I just thought, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's for, that's for not now. <laughs> but that, that, that enormity stops people a lot. So I've done that a, a fair amount of time. I still have notes on all these little half started projects where I'm like, this is a thing. I know that this is a need let me start to sketch it out. And I didn't have the expertise back then to know how it works. And even now I'm like, yeah, eh, someone else is already doing it and so on. But if you can start uh, from my experience, the one thing that I've had succeed so far was that something that was tangible and small that I got going and it was, it, it wasn't simple enough that I could do it on nights and weekends. And it was just, eventually it was done as well because it's never ending, but you say like, okay, I can release this now. Once you have that in place, it can you can do the next one a little more easily as well. You've you've started to set up your own flows for these things. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do actually think like um, that this isn't going to make money. Um, but recently, I've been working on uh, like a small project with a really with a really small team. Like there's like five of us, really like dedicated. And what we've actually been doing is we've been trying to create um, almost a design system um what well, we've created a javascript library basically which is gonna which is gonna give people um add classes to their html when this script runs at the at the initial um page load it's going to add classes um that's going to tell you things like is the connection the connection speed like, so, for instance, you'll have a class in your HTML saying that someone's on slow slow connection. From that, we want people, we want designers to actually 
um, use this in the similar way that they would use breakpoints, for instance, um, and actually say, right, okay, so we know we're going to have this information. So when we design a component, let's design it so that we've got this in mind. So we have a, a slow connection version of the component and we have a, a fast connection. The simplest example could be um, you have a teaser that doesn't load an image because um, somebody's on a slow connection. And so the image is, is decorative really, but we want the page to, to be quicker. So we just don't load the page. It, it's, this is, I mean, we're really, we're really uh, enthused about it. We did some, like the, actually making the, the library itself was the first part, but then we got, um, we got people to come in as a product owner, as we got people to design branding. Um, we're actually going to release like next week, but this is the, this is this is the closest thing I think I've done to like something like that, but we actually did it during uh, as a small project with uh, the company. Um, but it's kind of it's been a really lovely experience because it's been like sponsored by them and we've been able to do it. And now I think it's really for me it's really um, lit something in me that seeing the possibility of doing it. Um, I, th- I suppose like finding a small thing to to build. And perhaps bringing people in is a is a way of like speeding that process up in in like a private project. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, first part of that, I think that uh, component based optimizations like that are are should be more important. But like that helps along with saying, "Hey, component, you're responsible for." your own speed, your own design, your own stuff, instead of relying on top level. And I also think component queries, are those are those out yet where I can resize Almost. based on? <laughs> Almost. All right. I'm waiting on that. But, uh, <laughs> and the other part to that, right, is I think it's fantastic when you can have somebody backing the project. Um, like you said, the, the company helped sponsor it. That in and of itself is it's such a way to like push people forward and and keep people motivated and i think the web you, is moving to yes. that sorry yeah go i was going to i was just going to ask if you had touched into that side cuz you know i see that in the community there's the the west boss kind of crowd um that is my services are valuable i'm going to charge appropriate amounts for them and i'll give away some free stuff but generally like my business model is you pay for my courses and then there is the kind of you know, a view and Eduardo from, from the view core team who they rely on the funding from, you know, GitHub sponsors and all that store Patreon or whatever it might be. Both offer really valuable things to the community, but it's two very different models of approaching it. Do you have experience with both sides or have you been just the one side? Yeah, I, I have experience with both sides. Uh, and I mean, I, d- I haven't put too much effort into the sponsor patron way, but I will say that the paid courses, like you pay X, you get Y sort of scenario is, I mean, for me has been way more profitable. Uh, we did do like $2 a month support scotch. Um, and that didn't really do that well. But then we did like scotch school where we said monthly subscription for uh, video courses. And that was able to ramp up to about like 15 K monthly in a very short amount of time. Um, I wish there was a way to make the patron model stronger 
and and to get that like you see uh patreon was out there doing its thing github sponsors is out there um twitter's getting super follows Uh, youtube got five dollar subscriptions i would love to see that take off I think, I think the issue I've I've run into, because I've looked into it a few times and even like set some things up, is it's just very saturated. Um, and oftentimes, if you've heard about it, it's not actually that new. And so the market tapped already. Um, so you can still make it work. It's not to discourage anyone from trying. Anything could be the next kind of really cool thing that people want. And, and But it comes back to that idea of like, you still need to be genuine. Like people smell a shill very quickly you need to care about what you're doing and such um and sometimes that's hard because you're you're trying to do both at once right you're trying to be genuine but you're trying to fit into a mold so that you hit the right audience and yeah it's it's nothing new right we're we're coming at it from the software angle but my dad's a musician he's been dealing with this for decades of how do i make good music and make money off of record sales you know like it's uh it's a tough balance yeah and it goes back to like the Renaissance days where painters would need uh, a patron to support them, yeah. right? I guess it's just human nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about what you've been doing uh, like currently with better, better.dev um, and sort of the choice to go into your own sort of video and do a video of each day or, or however frequent it is. Um, how has that been? And, you know, what's been your own reward for having sort of gone into that? Yeah, so this this plays off of... I... Having had Scotch for about six, seven years, uh, and now being with DigitalOcean and no longer being like Scotch, no longer being my main focus. Once that happens and you're a a founder and you don't have the thing that you were working on for six, seven years, uh, there's like this, this bubble where you're like, okay, well, who is, who is Chris without Scotch? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've been doing a lot of experimentation. I definitely like, I, I feel for my personal journey, I have done the writing side of things. So I am having fun on the video side of things. And if you talk about video, you can't not talk about YouTube and uh, Twitch and courses. So for me, this, like the 31 days of January video every day was experimentation on what uh, being a YouTuber felt like, looked like. And same as it was with Scotch and writing articles and Putting out content, there are people that are going to gravitate towards your voice, your content, and you can build a community around that. So it's it's been a lot of fun meeting new people that I had never met on the writing side. Yeah, that, that's good. And I, I mean, for years I've been telling people it because I've seen this. I've seen it with a lot of people that I know from when I was in Los Angeles what, that they became successful. Um the, uh, this group of filmmakers, they just every weekend would shoot some funny stuff and they'd put it up online. And um, this was, you know, back in 2001 or something like that. No, 2004. But um, 
after a year of doing that every weekend, 52 weekends, they had something up online every week, every Monday, they had like hundreds of thousands of followers and it was absolutely incredible. And that's the thing. If you share your content and you're consistent about it, people will return to it again and again. And it's hard to do. It's just like exercise, like we were talking about in the pre-show. It's hard to do that consistency. But once you get up to a certain point, it then carries forward and you can, you know, surf on the wave. I, I've been reading Atomic Habits lately, mm. um, a book I think a lot of people have been finding lately. And it says that uh, to kind of build a habit, there's three different ways you can change yourself to build out the habit. There's like outcome-based where you say, I want to make a YouTube video every day. And that's one way, but you can do it. So that's external coming in. You can also do habit building from internal going out where you just say, look, I'm a YouTuber. And from that identity, you say, well, I'm a YouTuber. I probably should be making that YouTube video today. So it kind of is a very subtle shift. Um, and I, I like that I that difference. Like if you said I'm a bodybuilder and I'm a I'm a marathon runner, then tomorrow you might be more inclined to go running. You know. Yeah, but. it comes down to a little a little bit of that um, comes down to for me anyway. Like it's just to have some self belief and and say like I'm going to do this. Like this is what I want to do. I mean, it, um, I would equate it almost to. Um, another thing that I, that I do, um, like songwriting. Um, and it, when I first, dis- it took ages before I decided that I was actually going to put pen to paper and like many, many years ago, like, I'm going to, and then once I did it, I realized that you had to make this like uh, a very frequent, uh, a very frequent activity. And then almost like when I actually, like when I was actually good, um, like I was doing it all the time, like, it, it it drops off like you don't you stop doing that kind of thing um you stop doing it as frequently and you, you're nowhere near as good as you were when you're when you're actually like um really really trying and really practicing and really putting the work in every day it's got to be the same with um with the content yeah that that consistency is is tough for sure and like I did 31 videos and uh, YouTube videos in January and it was a fun experiment. And for a moment I said, you know what? I'm going to do 365. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think for February I landed at like one every four days. Yeah. What kind of, Wait. what kind of planning did you have to put in though to produce those 31 videos? I mean, like um, they, it must take an incredible amount of planning to, to, like know exactly what you're going to do for each one of these videos and, and really like get them out with the quality that you would want to. Um, like it's got to be a lot of, a lot of hard work. Um, so every video was made the day of with about zero planning. And the reason I, the reason, the reason, the system that I really put in place for myself is I've done a lot of the work early on in my career to try to be as efficient as possible being a creator, like writing articles, uh, try to do all of the work on the front end and try to make 
editing is probably the longest part of it, right? So I try to remove the editing. Um, so for videos, and I've been doing videos a while now, I've come to, I guess the three-pronged attack is, one, create a video on something you've done a billion times. And I've been coding for about 20 years now, so there's a lot that I've done a billion times. Um, and if you can do that, then you have good content that you didn't have to really prep for. And then two is lowering the the barrier. So if I can, as we are talking right now, like as if we were in a coffee shop, right? That's a lot of people will edit out like us and ers and little mistakes, but I've, I tend to leave them in and just let things flow. And I usually have like one or two edits per video. So those two things put together, uh, do content you already know and, Try not to edit as much and be conversational, which takes a lot of practice, uh, a ton of practice. Uh, that's that's how I was able to do it, I think. Uh, and the third thing, which is recent, is Descript. Have you all seen Descript? It's yeah. a it's a video editing tool, okay? And I wish they would pay me for this because I yell about them <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but it editing sucks. It's not fun. And you have to like go through the timeline, scrub through the timeline, all that fun stuff. For Descript, you drag your video file in and it automatically transcribes it into a text document. And as you, you can highlight text, delete text, and it, it cuts out that part of the timeline of the video. So how does that end uh, up looking though? Does that end up like looking, you know, when you would see like a YouTube video where it, it's, it is cut quite abruptly, so like someone's moving, but it still flows. Is that right. is that the effect that you get? So there's there's two ways to do a cut, uh, and you can say find all filler words. And like my last video had thirty six us in there, which is terrible. But you can you can have it cut out all the us, and you can say don't cut the video, so you can visually see me go, but the audio is not there, and it hmm. it's minuscule. It doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, I've been watching people's videos where they do the cuts and it's fine. Um, I literally in film school, remember that. And it's not a big deal at, at all. Um, like the, the brain just gets used to the cuts and then the rest of the video is fine. So that's super cool. Um, I, I really like that. What you said in particular, though, of you should pick something that, you know, like the back of your hand that you can talk to about anyone. Um, I'm going to do something uh, for my internal team on uh, NGRX next week because literally I've just been refactoring and doing a whole bunch of stuff and it's right there in my head. Um, Which brings me to another point of finding topics to share knowledge on. A lot of my protégés and stuff, they would say like, ah, I don't know, it seems like everyone already knows this. And that's a big impulse. As soon as you learn it, yeah, you already know it. It doesn't feel like it's worth sharing but there's a whole bunch of people that have no idea. Or even if they do, they don't have the insight into it that you have based on your experiences. I think that's a super important thing to bear in mind when you're thinking of sharing is you do have what to share. You are unique um, and just go for it. One of my favorite quotes is, there are no unique messages, only unique messengers. And... I mean, everything's been said already before, right? Like, there's a reason why there's 30 Stack Overflow questions on how to center a div. And each one has, like, a good answer, right? 
Um, but yeah, I, I, the thing with uh, writing content for Scotch is we never looked at any other blogs or checked Google ranks to see if it was written before. If we had done that, we wouldn't have written anything, right? And we we always looked at our own content catalog as uh, incomplete and where the gaps were in our own catalog. And I think a lot more people need to look at it like that. A lot of people look around and say like, oh, well, they're doing something. I can't do that. Uh, and the last part to that is if you can remember what it was like to be a beginner, that's a superpower on its own as a content creator because you already have the knowledge to write, let's say, a thousand articles. You just don't think they're good articles because you think the knowledge is too basic. And that's that, that goes to the 31 videos of YouTube. I, I think that... Um just tacking on from that one thing that I would always say to anybody who's considering writing content or, or feels that there's a barrier that they don't need to, because it's already been done is how many times have you read an article um, or some kind of tutorial and it's missing a step. There's some implied knowledge in there. Like if you find something which is like 80% good, but there's some implied knowledge in there, which, holds you up for like half a day. Um, and if somebody had just written that in that article, it would have saved you so much time. Then, hey, there is there is need for uh, another article because you could even, to my mind, you could even quote, like, there's this, I'm basing this on this article, but there's some steps that are missed. And I think that um, that almost um, creates better documentation throughout the web on any subject that you could find. I think implied knowledge for me is always the the killer of any article. As soon as, um, and as a as a writer as well, I think I would urge uh, anybody to like read it again and again. Have I missed a little step there, which doesn't seem important, but man, that's going to be really important like to somebody. Um, so yeah, I think that's another another reason to write an article. That's a, a very good point. I have two counters to that or additions. Um, one. The one that most people miss is import statements at the top of a file and also the file name. They're like, hey, here's here's all the stuff. And you're like, uh, <laughs> JS file, HTML file, like which component? Yeah, see, if you build that thing we were talking about earlier, then it'll probably be there by default, right? You'll have the file, that there, the fragment that needs to be referenced, and you'll have to do the import statements. That is one yes. big project. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, like uh, Eve's um, uh, Van Hoor, uh, I don't remember his name, but but that kid that did Code Sandbox, man, that was a big project. Uh, they got it going, though, so it can be done. Yeah, uh, That's that, the brilliant that part of the web. Blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Um, before we get into our, our final segment, because it's about time to wrap up, I do want to um, mention that you never, you also never know who's going to read your content and sort of benefit from it. I even as we were talking, I triggered back to when I was still living in Ireland and struggling to define like what I was doing in tech. Was it just making like random websites? Was I like fixing computers or what? And I was uh, reading on scotch.io articles on AngularJS back then and like trying to learn it and failing to learn it, but not giving up. And I still never learned it, but 
it, it morphed into other things, but it helped me define myself as a frontender, which in turn led to amazing things in my career since then. So thank you. Big kudos for having that resource there to begin with. So as we get into our, our uh, wrapping up segments, um, we want to have a segment called True Hero, uh, where we want to highlight a few true front-end heroes that are working across the planet and to thank them for all that they do. Um, this time, Chris, you suggested we uh, call out to Sam Julien, if you want to tell us a bit more about him. Yeah. So Sam Julien is uh, also a guest author on Scotch. And, uh, oh, the other point I missed is if you quote an article and like fix that article and you like let the original author know that's a great way to create a relationship and say, uh, that's how a lot of our guest authors came through the site is like, they were like, Hey, that's, that's completely wrong. It's like, okay. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, Sam Julien, one of our, uh, our guest authors, very, very kind person. He created the upgrading Angular JS uh, course, going from Angular JS to Angular, and lately he has a newsletter where he talks about developer micro skills, and it's it's a really fun read that he's helping on the side that most people don't talk about is like your skills as a developer that aren't development skills, right? Like people skills, um, dealing with imposter syndrome all that good stuff. Uh, definitely check him out, samjulien.com. Perfect. Yeah, thank you again, Sam, for all that you do for the community. Um, lastly, and this is a bit of a curveball, Chris, for you because we didn't mention it in advance, but any proper hero is a well-rounded one. So we like to share some simple musical picks. So, uh, Scott, what's the favorite thing you've been listening to lately? I'm going gonna, um, I'm gonna to give a shout-out to uh, a couple of friends who um, a little bit like Chris decided that they were going to produce um, a track a week. Um, nice. Just like they'd got some stuff written and they decided they were going to produce a track a week. Didn't really tell anybody about it. Um, and then uh, two weeks ago, my friend messaged and said, hey, check this out. Um, and he's got an album on Spotify, um, which uh, so like really nice job. Like I've listened to it and I can honestly say it is good. Um, it is so it and they're called anaconda con leche (laughs) (laughs) so shout out to them cool thanks for that uh chris do you have something in mind uh yeah so i guess if we're if we're leaning to like the smaller artists like uh a buddy in the javascript community ken wheeler Hmm. um he has been playing around with like electronic type stuff. Uh, his album is also on Spotify, which I have found. Uh, if you know Ken Wheeler on Twitter, he's a little bit um, <laughs> crude, maybe the word. And acquired uh, taste. Yeah, acquired taste is the word. Yeah. So, but he's he's a fantastic person, uh, great coder, puts out lots of open source stuff. Um, his album is called <laughs> "Love Songs for Your Mother." And it's on, <laughs> it's on Spotify as well, and it is actually really good coding music. Uh, no lyrics, uh, just just all electronic. Awesome. 
Um, yeah, I normally uh, go for myself for an electronic pick. I have a really weird one, but it's maybe too weird. So instead, I'm going to go with some Irish nostalgia. And there's this guy, Finn Regan. Um, he produced or he's done a lot of albums, uh, sort of singer songwriter. Uh, it's interesting stuff. But this particular album, The Meeting of Meetings of the Waters, it's just beautiful. Um, it's rhythmic. It's, you know, guitars. It's interesting stuff, but it's also really lovely. So um, worth checking out. Um, please to recommend a, an Irish artist as well. Great. So it looks like that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you should like, heart, star us in your podcatcher of choice. Um, reviews and ratings are how those fancy algorithms help people find our content. And the power to help is with the need. If you have any questions or topics you want covered in our next episode, send a tweet to us at Heroes Front End and we'll add it to our list. Until next time, heroes, remember, with great front end power comes great responsibility. See you next time.